Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Justin Box. Our theme this year is together. Like we're, we're being set up, church. We're being set up to do this together, whether it's online, whether it's at home. Like we just bless what's happening at home, like family. Like our heart is that revival would, would begin at home. Yeah, and we declare over your homes now that it would be like the houses of Acts. Yeah, houses of Acts where kids would be trained up in the supernatural. We just declare that. Put your, well, maybe not put your hands on your kids. Maybe, you know, I don't know. But um, do what you feel appropriate. But yeah, we just declare for families, over families now. Yeah, houses of Acts, prayers that have been prayed that, that households would experience the Lord together. We just say now's the time for that. Yeah, looking at the Word together, watching this together, talking about it, praying together, worshipping together. We just say yes. And we just say the supernatural activity would just begin to rise Yeah, in the, in the homes and it would be ushered out into the streets. Amen? Amen. Really good. Really good. Lee, can you get... I'm oh, singing so intensely. I'm going to get this. don't know if I'm out of camera now. I'm back in camera. I'm not used to camera. So good. Okay, so... Been talking about Peter two weeks ago, spoke about Peter. Was looking at my life and, and I love what God has done. Even a Facebook um, reminder um, came up today of what happened um, seven, year, uh, seven years ago. And it was um, the Facebook reminder came up today thinking about my journey. Um, seven years ago it said, Facebook said, was driving to Sacramento to watch a Sacramento Kings basketball game and I saw a guy that was hobbling on the side of the road and I told the guy that was driving to pull over. So we pulled over, did a Yui. Um, he didn't know what a Yui was because he was American. I said, mate, just do a U-turn. And we jumped out of the car and I ran after this guy on the street in Sacramento because he was limping. And I said, hey man, Jesus wants to heal you right now. Um, can I pray for you? And I put my hand on his knee and I remember vividly we're on the corner of the street in downtown Sacramento praying for this guy on the way to a basketball game seven years ago. And I let my hand down. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I, there was this confidence in me and I moved back like this. And I said, walk to me like that. And all the guys are in the car and, and we're on the way to a basketball game. But the kingdom's everywhere. Yeah. And, um, and then he walked to me, no limp, and then encouraged him in Jesus. And it was amazing. And I looked at that this morning and I'm like, oh, I've come a long way. Yeah. Like I once didn't believe that. I mean, I believed that he was healer, but it was out there somewhere, not that he would actually use me because I thought that he didn't use people that were inconsistent. I didn't think he actually cared or I, I thought his disappointment level was just all over the place. But, but I... I as I've grown over the years, as we've grown over the years, we've under, we're understanding more and more that the pleasure of God and the approval of God is before we do anything. He's a genius and his capacity is enormous to love you unconditionally, meaning there's no conditions on his love. He does that. It is who he is. He does that. And he has the capacity to do it without um, fumbling over what you're not. Like his love and honour for you is always turned on. It's never not. He knew, he, what, he knew what he was getting himself into. Like Romans 5.5, 5, Romans 5.8, and while we were still sinners, during, in the midst, in the middle of, caught in the act, John 8, the woman thrown at Jesus' feet. Caught in the act, the Bible says. Where are your accusers? There isn't any. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Man, this is huge. Like, 
So we're learning the perspective of God, how He sees us. And we looked at the life of Peter because I'm like, man, I've been inconsistent. And I wasn't celebrating process. I was worrying about perfectionism and performing for him because I thought that his love sort of went back and forward with how, how, how much of a good boy I was. I'm like, oh, wow, no, I've missed it. The love of God is relentless. It's ferocious. It's always on. Can we hurt him? Yeah, we can, like anybody, because he cares. So we just step back in, and that's, the, that's repentance. That's God. Help me think like you think. I'm sorry I'm not thinking like the way that you think. Can you bridge the gap? Because the way that I think about this and which caused how I behaved, that's different because you think like this. And I want to think like you. So can you come close? I'm coming close. Help me. And that's repentance. And he changes us and he transforms us. And this is such a big deal. And Peter was on this journey. And I looked at the life of Peter a couple of weeks ago. He was called by God. And then he walked on water. And we go through the list and the timeline of Peter's life. We look at the timeline of his life and we just go, you can Google it. I did it just to check it, the list. And he's, got, he's walking on water. He was a fisherman called by God. Something happened in his heart. And then he started walking, he walked on water. Jesus said, come. And then he's, he's saying, this is who you are, Jesus. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, hey, blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. So he had a Holy Spirit encounter before it was actually legal. Before the presence was breathed on the disciples in John 20. Before the Holy Spirit started speaking internally to people, he had this revelation of Jesus. He said, I'm going to build my church on this. So he's like commissioned Peter as the pastor of the first church. But then there's this fumbling, this process of Peter up and down. Like, yes, I'm never going to leave you. Like professing, pronouncing, announcing, declaring his love for Jesus. And I'm like, I do that. Like I do that as well. I say, yes, yes, I'm not going to leave you. And then it's like, wow, great choice, Justin. Act like a jerk, Justin. Treat people like rubbish, Justin. And I'm like, I'm growing. And the foundation is that his love doesn't turn off in our process. Yeah? Yeah, his love does not turn off. My love does not turn off for Bella and Jude in their process of growing. It doesn't switch off. It doesn't turn off. And then we get to Peter and, and he's saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. And then we find out that he denies Jesus three times. That's a massive, it's a massive deal. Peter's like out loud shouting, I'm never going to leave you. You have the words of eternal life. Well, well, if I can't be a part of you, then wash me all. Jesus said, I want to wash your feet. No, 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 I'm under, you can't, I'm unclean. And Jesus goes, well, I'm not going to have any part of you. Wash my everything, dunk me in everything. But then, it, but then he denies Jesus three times, full on. The Bible actually says that after the third time, he wept bitterly. We spoke about a couple of weeks ago because he loved Jesus so much. There was this thing in him that was just obsessed with Jesus. His, his, his life had been lit up. Like all the dreams in his heart, the wondering if God was real. Like it happened that day that he was called. His life got ignited. Like our life, guys, have, has been ignited. So he denied Jesus three times. And then in the book of John, and we'll close with this and move on to what I want to share this morning. 
His life was, was rattled and he wept bitterly because he denied Jesus. And then the resurrection happened, and I won't go into detail, but after it, the disciples found themselves just going back to their daily lives and they were fishing. And Jesus was on the beach. This is full on, after the resurrection. And he's cooking. And then one of the disciples says, hey, it's the Lord. And what did Peter do? He jumped out of the boat. He put his coat on and jumped out of the boat and started swimming to the shore. And Jesus took him on a journey on that beach over that charcoal fire of restoration. What I've been speaking about, that he loves, his love is always on. And he denied Jesus three times. And how many times did Jesus say, do you love me? And they went through this dialogue of restoration. And, and if we look at the Bible, we can actually pinpoint that moment to the moment that everything changed for Peter. Of course, the call, but there's this other moment. I love what Bill says, like so many Christians just, um, they get forgiven enough to just to, to be born again, but we don't repent to be transformed and to see lives and cities transformed. So there's this tension of, of course we're forgiven, but this ongoing journey to repent so that we think like him. I love this transformation that took place in the life of Peter because he was doing great stuff, but there was a higher call to his life. He was called to be the pastor, to be the leader, to actually carry on the message of Jesus and do greater works. And I love it that the, the Gospels don't actually say that the, any, uh, Jesus' shadows healed people. But then we see in Acts that Peter's shadow healed people. What's the difference? You look at the book of Acts and you see from Acts onwards, there is consistency in the life of Peter. There's confidence in the life of Peter. And he took that church into levels that they didn't think they could go. And why was that? It was the love of God. It was the encounter that they had with, that he had with God. He was inconsistent. He thought he should run away when he denied Jesus instead of running to Jesus. In our problems, in our mess, in our, in our confession, in our confusion. He wants us to run to him, not away from him. Peter had this messed up mindset, an Old Testament mindset. Even when Jesus got taken, he cut the guard's ear off. Jesus is like, whoa, like if you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by it. That's not how we roll. I'm showing you what's possible for New Testament people. We don't do that anymore. So he was just torn with this whole Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, doing, 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 New Testament, receiving, believing, embracing, applying. Transformation happens when we apply and then it manifests in our life. It's a big deal for us to get. That inconsistency will always be there if we don't get a full revelation of the love of God and then it's always on and it doesn't dry up. Is that okay? Thanks. There's a few guys here, I've told them that they need to get a bit rowdy and because, uh, yeah, this is full on. All right, so what I want to do today, I want to continue that theme about the love of God and Peter's transformation and we're going to move into the book of Acts and what took place when he, got, when he had radical encounters with God's love. Is that okay? Yeah. Thanks. Philippians 2. We're going to read a little bit of scripture. So at home, I'd encourage you to grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles, guys. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read most of this chapter. Um, we're going to just go through it together. So highlight it if something jumps out. Um, but want to go through this chapter, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm reading from the um, Passion Translation. Some of you might have that. Some of you might not. Um, but we're going to read from this today. 
Passion Translation. So Paul is acknowledging who we are in Christ. Look at how much encouragement you've found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So Paul's announcing what has happened to you. He's announcing what's happened. He's, he's reminding you what has happened. He said, look at how much encouragement you've found in your relationship with Jesus. You are filled to an overflowing, uh, you are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You've experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So, so Paul is saying, this is our foundation. This is our foundation. This is it. Like he's saying, guys, this, this has happened to you. Be aware of it. Remind yourself of it because I'm about to build on this. I, I want to build on this foundation. And if we don't build on a foundation of his love and, and this, this relationship with his presence and that he is for us, then when I teach on things that we've got to do and apply, it's going to be a burden to you. It's going to feel like obligation. It's going to feel, feel like a duty. It's going to feel like you just have to do it. And, and that's not meant to be the case. We're meant to build on foundations of love and, and pillar truths that are presented in the gospel. And when we've actually believed these pillar truths, we get to actually apply things that we're encouraged in. And it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great, oh, what's the word I'm trying to use? It's real. I, I appreciate the fact that this is a good um, gauge of where I'm at with my beliefs. That if I'm challenged or whether I'm encouraged or whether I read something that I don't like or people that are speaking into my life actually highlight something, if I'm not actually building on his love and security in the way that he sees me and it never turns off, then I'm susceptible to get burdened by their comments or things that I really should do. Does that make sense? So Paul's um, building this foundation of, guys, this is who you are. And if you don't actually get this, then what I want to teach you and encourage you, it's going to hurt you. But if you've got this, it's going to be a joy and you're going to take it on. Because the love of God actually produces um, humility in us and, and a hunger. And it produces this, this um, tenacious appetite to grow in the Lord and to be an influencer. But if we actually don't understand the love of God or embrace the love of God or allow ourselves to be transformed by His love, then everything's just hard work. And we're just like, oh, I've got to do this as well. Oh man, I've got to do this as well. And our capacity is really small. Because he goes on in verse 2, he goes, I'm asking you, my friends, that you'd be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Then he continues on, be free from pride. So this is the list that can hurt you if we're not first secure in his love. Be free from pride-filled opinions. This is good timing now with all everything that's happening. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Verse 4, abandon every display of selfishness. Great timing. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. It's challenging, hey? And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. 
Let his mindset become your motivation. Let his mindset become your motivation. I love this. This is the doctrine of Jesus becoming um, flesh and laying down his divinity to take up what it looks like for you and I to actually have the right relationship with the Father and what we could live like. So this is that truth that presents it. Um, Because we talk a lot about it, that Jesus set the example for what believers can live like. He said, this is my life. You're invited to, to be a part of it and then do greater. And this is actually the foundation for all of that belief. Verse 6, he existed in the form of God, talking about Jesus. Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion, full on. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. We sang about it this morning. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm and the earthly realm and the demonic realm. Verse 11. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord, Yahweh, bring glory to honour God his Father. Let's just declare that now. Um, We just declare in the name of Jesus across every nation that people would have um, radical encounters with Jesus in this time. Yeah, radical encounters with Jesus. Yeah, we pray at home, we pray here. Radical encounters with the love of Jesus. Not a philosophy, not, not, not just their perception of Jesus, like the woman at the well, I perceive you to be a prophet. No, 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 we declare um, revelation uh, and encounters with the Son of God. That there's a distinction in people's hearts that it's like, oh wow, I think he's the Son of God. So we declare that in Jesus' name. Verse 12, we've got four more verses and we're going to launch into what I feel will encourage us today. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Isn't that funny as well? Because he's writing in a letter in a jail cell to his churches. He's encouraged them. He wasn't with them in person and the church has exploded with growth. Isn't that cool? Can we be encouraged by that, everyone at home? Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested. Isn't that, that's great. So we've got to take hold of it. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifest as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into His presence, not scared, but in awe. Verse 13, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. Verse 14, live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe. Offering them the words of eternal life. So All right, so that last line, let's read it again. For then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure 
children of God. Who are you going to be seen by? Even though you live in the middle of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the world. So Paul here has said, guys, at the very start, this is who you are. Has anybody been encouraged? And we're like, yep, I have. Like he's changed my life. Peter, how can I leave you? I've got the words of eternal life. Everything's changed. Yep, I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened. Has anyone had comfort by the Holy Spirit? Yep, that's me. And Paul's like, great. I want to teach you a whole bunch of stuff because we've got to keep building on this foundation. We can't just stay here. Because the mandate is heaven to earth, Paul's preaching. The mandate is that the world would come to know him. And the foundation is an encounter. But that's just like in the doorway of the kingdom. We've been born again. Now we can see the kingdom. But we're not just called to see the kingdom. We're meant to get in and start displaying it. We're meant to get in and start to go, you know what? Freely I've received, now I'm going to, freely I've received, now I'm going to freely give. And this is how it begins to work. And, and Paul's going through this list. Guys, protect unity. It's not enough to just say you've been encouraged. It's not enough to say I've got a, whole, uh, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's like, no, no, we've got, we're building church. We're building. So protect unity and prefer others because it's not about you. If everybody does this, you'll get enough comfort and strength from others. So we spend time with the Lord and we get encouraged. But if you make your life about others, He'll make your life about you. And then where there's catch, like He's pouring into you and you're like, I'm ridiculously blessed. Who can I bless? Bang. We become a magnet for blessing. This is how it's meant to work. So He's laying down all this stuff. And then He says, then He goes into verse 13. If we've got that um, scripture up, let's put that up there. Separate scripture, verse 13. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. This whole kingdom deal is not meant to be an obligation. Are there times that we do it without feelings? Of course, often. But it's a secure uh, um, and we're, we're founded in the truth that we're His and His love's never turned off. So we, we can step outside of feelings and just go for it. But he wants to actually cause you to come alive and, and want to do his will. Like he wants you to look at the will of God, everything that he wants to accomplish, this side of heaven. He wants you to acknowledge the list of what the kingdom is. And he wants you to look at that and understand that he wants all of that to manifest on earth everywhere. And if we don't actually acknowledge that we've been encouraged, if we don't acknowledge that we're born again, and if we don't start applying the stuff about not grumbling, not complaining, protecting unity and doing all this stuff, then this verse actually will struggle to happen. And then we'll get to a point where we're going, oh man, this heaven to earth deal, it's just full on and I just can't be bothered and it's hard and I don't actually want to do it and it's causing discomfort and pain and I don't want to do it. I don't even want to come to church because I feel pressure to approach people. I'm like, it's not meant to be like that. So Paul built on this chapter of, guys, you've been encouraged, you've been enlightened, you're born again, but you've got to keep doing stuff to stir it up. And then what's going to happen when we start to do these things? God's going to revitalize you. 
He's going to strengthen you. He's going to pour courage into you. He's going to remind you of everything that is in your account because of the promise and the cross. And then it goes in um, to verse 15. We won't put this up. But then it goes in and, it, and then it builds even more. And then it goes, if you keep doing this, then you're going to shine bright like stars in the universe. And, and like Paul builds this whole like 16 verses to highlight that this scripture first, you can take that off now, that he wants to revitalize you so you can do his will. He's setting the whole thing up to saying, guys, you are called to do his will, but he wants you to be revitalized so you enjoy it. And then he goes into verse 15, 16 and says, and culminating with this thought, and you're going to shine like stars in the universe among the darkness and, a, and among the challenge. So he's, set, he's setting us up. And I feel like we've been building for this, guys. I feel like we've been building for this. We've been on this slow and steady journey about building pillar truths in our life, about who we are, about what the Word of God is, about um, identity, about salvation, about um, what we carry, that we can have high levels of peace, hope, joy and love, even when everything is a disaster. Like that's biblical truth. Doesn't deny the rubbish. But he said, like Paul said, we exalt in tribulations. Consider it pure joy going through trials. We've been building on this because it's really hard to give what we don't think we have. I'll say that again. It's really hard to give what we don't think we have. Make no mistake, you have. Make no mistake, you have. Everything's been put into your account on the day that you said yes to Jesus. We're on a journey of getting it out of our account and into our possession. It's the same thing Peter McHugh said. We're getting it out of renting the idea into owning the idea. And, and, and how you know that you're owning rather than renting is how your life is um, happening during the week. How it's happening when you are challenged, when you're squeezed, when um, you see an opportunity for the kingdom to come in and to encourage. It's a great opportunity to know, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm scared. Okay, I'm renting the idea that I'm bold. Okay, I'm renting the idea that I'm bold. Okay, my boldness is circumstantial. Okay, God, my boldness is circumstantial because I'm praying for people at church, but not that random stranger. Okay, okay, I, I want to go on a journey. Well, hang on, I don't want to go on a journey. But you've called me to much and you've called me to greatness and you have called me to, to, to do your will, not to just agree with your will. We're meant to do his will. I'm pretty sure Jesus actually said when the disciples offered him food, Jesus said, I'm good guys, thanks for cooking, but my food is to do the will of the Father. I love that he didn't say my, my, my will, uh, my food is to preach it, to, to acknowledge it, to announce it only. I love that he didn't say it's... it's it's my food to just talk about it amongst Christians. He said, my food is to do it, to announce it, to proclaim it, and then to demonstrate it. So I just love, uh, I just love what is happening in this scripture because we're not called to blend in. It's actually our time to, to shine. 
Man, it's, it's, it's amazing. I want to read John. Um, this, this was just something I got in worship this morning. Okay, 1 John. No, John 1. <laughs> okay, this is about Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's just good. Spend four hours on that at home, guys. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We've been caught up in his story. We've been caught up in his presence and everything that he's about. And he's been taking us on a journey to believe it. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of our history, regardless of what's happened to us, he, he's bringing us on a journey to believe it. And, and I feel like it's culminating in this season now where he wants to revitalize you so that you can do his will. And he wants to remind you that you actually shine like stars in the universe. You shine bright like stars in the universe. Jesus said really clearly, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You're not going to be. I mean, bless the person who, who wrote that song. This little light of mine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it shine. Let it shine. <laughs> like, bless them who wrote it. Good on them. But it's not a little light. It's not a, it's not a little light. Because Jesus said, why, why, would you, why would you have a light? Like, no one grabs a light and then hides it, put a bowl over it. Like, you're a, you, you are a city on a hill. Like you are a city on a hill. There's some big statements made over your life. Like you're, you shine bright like stars in the universe. Like he will revitalise you as you do his will. You have been encouraged. You've been brought into this affection with the Holy Spirit. This, you've experienced the tender mercy of God. You've, you, you're, you are in his story. You are a privileged people. We are a privileged people. Like we are no longer susceptible to fear. Isn't that amazing? Can we be fearful? Yeah, when we partner with lies. This whole thing's about agreement. We can go over here real quick. But, but, but our default is faith. Our default is peace. Our default is hope. That's why Paul's saying, like, we've got to keep building on this. Because if you just say, I'm encouraged, and if you just acknowledge that you're born again and do nothing, then you'll be susceptible for fear. But he wants you to build on the salvation that you have received. That's why other translations said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We can, there'll be books about this that you can lose your salvation. We could buy a book on it. <laughs> I, I don't believe that. I, I, I believe that what Paul is saying is, guys, we've got we've to work this through. Like, I'm into process. I'm into you fully believing this. I'm into you going on a journey of believing Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Like, like you're on a journey of believing. We're not on a journey to behave better. We're on a journey to believe better. Because when we believe better, our behavior is a manifestation of our beliefs. 
So he's doing this. So for you to actually believe that you shine like stars in the universe, we've got to have these encounters with his love. We've got to protect unity and we've got to start putting these things in place because there's promises knocking at your door. There are promises knocking at your door and God's so good that often he won't fulfill a promise if we don't actually play our part. He'll withhold blessing from you because it will crush you if you don't have a foundation. If everything's just, yep, yep, cool, I'm so scared and supernaturally, magically, I'm just going to have peace. (laughs) Like he wants to take you on a journey because he wants you to become a person that can handle the dream in your heart. Like he's developing the inner you, the character that no one else sees, the hidden part, the soul. He's, He's doing this work in you so that you can handle the dream. So that you can handle doing greater works and being interviewed on the news and represent him really well and not be a cat, like a weird cat. Cat. Make sure words are translating. Yeah, massive deal. Let's go to Isaiah 60. We know this scripture. (laughs) We know this scripture so good, so well. Don't you? Yeah? We, 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 we do it. We love it. it <laughs> but God is wanting to take scriptures that have been, just, just got into the familiar basket. Um, that we're, Yeah, a lot of you at home with your Bibles, this verse will be highlighted. I love it. And I love it. And I'm not mocking you. I am a little bit, aren't I? No, but I'm just making light because I'm the same. I've got highlighted scriptures that I don't believe that I rent the idea. It's really challenging. But God's love doesn't turn off in our belief process. He loves the process because he's a good father. All right, Isaiah 60, and then, yeah, we'll land. Arise and shine. So this is in the context of everything I've spoken about this morning. How Paul's building, and he announces at the end that you'll shine like stars brightly in the universe. And right now is our time to shine. And this is a verse that prophetically announces that well before Jesus showed up. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Has, massive word there, has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Verse 2. They don't den- he doesn't deny the problems, does he? For behold, darkness will cover the earth. Yep, we can see some stuff going on. And deep darkness, the people. Yep, we acknowledge that. And then I love this, but. Can we say but? but. At home, why don't you just say but? But. <laughs> but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Interesting. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Arise and shine because your light has come. I love this, that we are, being, that, that we are believing who we already are. We're believing that because he's already done all this work. He's done the work. He, he looks at us and sees the finished us. Like he, he's done this work in us. And now he's like saying, like when we mess up, no, no, you're better than that because this is who you are. Like, come on, you're better than that. Come on, process. Wow, growth, amazing. Uh, okay, it's okay, it's okay. All right, that hurt a little bit, but we're in a relationship and I want to help you. Come on, you can do it. 
Arise and shine because your light has come. Your light doesn't go out when you mess up. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Like his presence is on you. His glory is on you. His light is on you. Jesus echoed this and said, you are the light of the world. I agree with Isaiah. You are the light of the world. We were born to shine. And I tell you what, this is the big deal. The love of God causes us to shine. Having genuine, real encounters with the love of God where you know that something has changed in your beliefs causes us to shine. Causes us to believe that we are the light of the world. Like what would happen to you if you saw God, if you truly saw God's full perspective of you walking around? So just picture, just say you walk into a cafe and he's perched up on top of the Safeway building, just in a seat, kicking back. And he's watching you with the perspective of everything that he's done is in your account. And he's watching you interact with the darkness Like, just let your imagination go wild. Like, like imagine if we actually truly believed. Like, I'm just thinking in my head that that he's up there and he just sees me walking around and it's like this flashing light, beacon light, and just all, all the stuff, the hope and the joy is just everywhere. And it's like, it's contagious and it's full on and it's available. And, and he's watching me and he's like, oh my goodness. And then he's looking over and he's seeing people that don't have that. And he's like, oh, here we go. He's walking this way. He's walking over to them and they don't have it. And I love them the same as I love him, but they haven't activated the promise. So they can't actually delve into that every day consistently because they haven't activated the promise. But, oh my goodness, look at this Justin guy. He, he's like, there's about 100 people within his distance and all this stuff's coming out of him and, I, and I'm just watching because my perspective of him is a real high level. Like I don't have days where I'm like, oh, I don't think he's going to make it. Like it's always, it's always high. It's always high. Like regardless of how we think, his, his, his love and affection and approval of you is always high. Imagine what he thinks about you. Imagine if we had that same perspective. Imagine if we had the foresight to know that they actually want what we have. Because you wanted it or you wouldn't have said yes. If you didn't want this, you wouldn't be here. So why do you think they don't want it? That's good. Yeah, Jesus, that's, I've never said that, never thought that. Why would I think that they don't want it? Am I looking at an outward appearance? Because I've got great outward appearance. You, I can present to you that I'm awesome. I did it for a long time on staff and I wasn't, I wasn't awesome. How are you going? I'm great. <laughs> what a lie. This is actually happening. So are we actually seeing their outward appearance and, and, and judging their outward appearance and perceiving and believing that they don't want what I have? That's full on, isn't it? No, 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 they're not interested. How often do we say that? No, no, they're not interested. My family's not interested in the Lord. I'm like, you were. (laughs) Full on. Yeah, I think it's great as well. That's really good. I encouraged myself then. So good. I love that. So we go into 
so we've got this whole deal of Peter encountering the love of God and it changed everything and there wasn't any more inconsistency. Was he still on a process? Yes. Did he still have some punch-ons? Yeah, he had a punch-on with Paul. That was good. Well, not good, but it's like, um, I don't know if they went to fisticuffs or not, but um, that would have been good, didn't it? We get a chat about Peter and Paul. Hey, Paul, did you keep your love on? Because um, we've been doing... Um, hey, Danny Silk, come over here, buddy. Um, you wrote some books, Peter and Paul. Can we just... Was that activated? Oh, okay, yeah, they did a really good job of honouring each other. Okay, that's great. But just to know, like, like, he still had a couple of moments, but man, he got an upgrade because of the love of God and his life was consistent. He no longer denied the Lord. He no longer messed up. It was just like full on, here we go. I'm not saying he's perfect, but you, you read the Gospels and you read Acts and his highlights and it's ridiculous. So in Acts 2, he preached and, and, and announced that the kingdom and, and the presence had now manifested the holy spirit had been poured out and he got to articulate what was happening what a privilege he's like hey guys i know this is weird like there's everyone running around drunk in the holy spirit and it's just wild (laughs) more more yeah yeah more more encounters with god more yeah don't be drunk on wine but be filled with the holy spirit more yeah, at home, more. Real life-changing encounters, more. We say more in Jesus' name. Yeah, more God, more God. Yes, this is by faith, but by faith, I want to feel you, God. I want to experience you, God, more. And Peter got the privilege of saying, guys, this is crazy, I know. And he pastored it. He, he, like a good shepherd, grabbed the sheep and said, guys, this is that. This is what Joel prophesied. This is what you've been taught by your, your mum and dad and your grandparents. Like, this is the, that prophet Joel. This is that. Joel prophesied it and now we're in it. Woo! And he passed it and then he went on and, and Acts 3, like he got to follow the, the, the example and life of Jesus and now he's fully just in this life of love and pouring out. Jesus said in Matthew, hey, freely you've received, now freely give. Sent them out. Announcing the kingdom everywhere you go. Don't take money. Don't take silver or gold. Don't take a bag. Okay? So now Peter obeyed that. We know this. I've said it before. He rocks up at the gate beautiful to pray. um, And John and Peter are with him. And the beggar says, I need some money. I need some alms, the Bible says. And and Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. Because I obeyed Jesus when he said, don't take silver or gold. Because this whole new deal was an immaterial deal, not a practical deal. We love the practical, but... Jesus had some great ideas. And, and, G- and Peter said, what I have, I give you, get up. And he got healed. And then we move on and Peter's preaching and, and things started to happen. His shadow started healing people. They lined them up in the streets. This is Peter the denier. This is Peter the denier. This is Peter the one who wept bitterly. Think about Peter who wept bitterly with shame and guilt and God hates me into they're lining up people on the street and my shadow is healing them. He continued and um, he went, oh, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't learn how to pronounce this. Aeneas, Aeneas, let's say that. Acts 9, Aeneas had been bedridden for eight years. Eight years gets in our head, doesn't it? Oh, that condition's eight years, that's harder than a week. Peter gets in there, prays and he gets up. Tabitha dies. Peter raises her. He's now a dead raiser. The denier has now become a dead raiser. 
How many times have we denied Jesus and we're just not sure of how he sees us? We deny him by not acknowledging how he sees us. He's like, ah, oh, I don't see you like that. So that hurts me when you think you suck. Because <laughs> you don't and you're in process. And I want to take you from a denier to a dead raiser. I want you to raise the dead. No, no, the bar's not down here. The bar's not knees and shoulders, heads and toes. <laughs> Boom. Fire. <laughs> but the bar, I'm not talking about the scale of what's better and what's not because the person who has a sore knee doesn't need to be raised from the dead. So the, the broken finger matters to them, but the dead person doesn't, they're not caring about their finger. So it's not a scale of what's better. It's what's needed in the moment. But he wants to take us from denying to dead raising. Oh, that's a good sermon title, isn't it? Pretty full on. <laughs> um, and, then, and then to validate the preaching, to validate the, the, the anointed words of the gospel, he gets up to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. And this is the, this is the preacher's greatest dream. Oh, couldn't care less about an eloquent sermon. Do I put effort in? Yeah. Do I want to communicate well? Do I want to grow? Yes, of course. But this is the high. This is the goal. And when Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them. I love Mike taught this for years. Hey, Mike. Looking after Bella and Jude. Hey, Bella. Hey, Bella and Jude. I love you. How good is that? I can do it. Hey. So... So the Bible says, and Mike's taught on this before, the, the Greek word's epipipto, and it means to embrace with affection. That's important. Why is it important that it was embraced with affection? Because they, they come out of works. They come out of, we've got to do this, we better do that. Religious law, da 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 We've got to do this, we've got to do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. We've got to do this, we've got to be circumcised, we've got to do this. We can't do that, we can't eat that meat. We, and it's full on, and Paul's pastoring this. We can't do that, we can't do this, we can't do this. And Jesus is like, Boom. Holy Spirit just fell and embraced with affection. This is who I am. So good. So good. Because of you encountering the love of God, Paul's saying, do all these things. And then the God of peace will be with you and you'll shine like stars. Like he wants to revitalize you. What does revitalize mean? It's to strengthen, it's to ignite. It's to bring all those lists of things that you need in your life. He wants to revitalize. He wants to bring the peace. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring joy. He wants to bring comfort. He wants to bring solution and strategies. He's already downloaded a whole lot about how we can operate in this online thing. I don't know how long it's going to go. But I want to encourage you that he has solutions. And that you do shine like stars in the universe. And I encourage you to go through Philippians 2. This is such an exciting time in the midst of tragedy. And we empathize with it because it sucks. And I'm like, what is going on? But he's given us the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. And we've got a great responsibility. So I would encourage you, let's shine.